the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. New details emerge regarding the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. This was a huge overreach by justice on many levels. President Biden signs the CHIPS Act to produce semiconductor chips in America. This is important for national security in critical military and other critical infrastructure. You want those chips produced here. A Mississippi grand jury declines to indict a white woman in the Emmett Till case. A grand jury determined there wasn't enough evidence to indict. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, August 10th. I'm Mike Scott. Some details have emerged regarding the raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. According to reports, the raid was in response to an ongoing probe into materials the ex-president may have taken with him to Florida when he left the White House. The materials are reportedly to include notes from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un and even a cocktail napkin. The tug-of-war over the materials first ignited back in January when the National Archives said it had retrieved 15 boxes of White House records, including classified information from Mar-a-Lago that the former president should have turned over when he left office. According to officials, the FBI took another 12 boxes of material on Monday. A list of the unclassified items found in the boxes was about 100 pages long, including a cocktail napkin and a birthday dinner menu. Other items included schedules, a phone list, letters, memos, talking points, slide decks, and schedules. The Justice Department has still yet to comment on the raid. Donald Trump's son, Eric, who's also vice president of the Trump Organization, said since day one, his father has been a target. They slandered him. They belittled him. You know, they went after him. They went after all of us. There's no family in American history that has taken more arrows in the back than the Trump family. Eric Trump says the subpoenas and FBI search and other things connected are all politically motivated. They do it for one reason, because they don't want Donald Trump to run and win again in 2024. The former president's son goes on to say the FBI raid was made for one reason. This didn't come from the little local FBI field office in, uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. You know who this came from. This came from one place and one building, and, and that is the White House in Washington, D.C. They want to attack a guy who they view is his greatest threat, is Biden's greatest threat. Meantime, Senator Roger Marshall tells SRN News the raid is a blemish on a once great organization. Lady Justice took her blindfold off yesterday uh, again. 
Uh, I grew up in an era where the FBI was well-respected. My dad was a police officer. We had a great respect for the FBI. Jonathan E. Moore, a constitutional attorney, joined the Salem Radio Network discussing the legal ramifications of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. This is a real case of abuse of prosecutorial discretion, but also a very clear violation of the Fourth Amendment because under the Fourth Amendment, a search warrant could only issue upon the establishment of probable cause. And in this instance, you've got a real problem in establishing probable cause, uh, which is uh, the presence of an Article II power, the commander-in-chief, to exercise the power to determine whether any document would be deemed classified or not, and the executive privilege over the president's own papers. We're literally talking about papers here. Emord says that because of Trump's executive privilege over those documents, it's his opinion that probable cause will be hard to prove. Recognize that the National Archives and Records Administration, the archivist of the United States, operates in this area under an executive order. In other words, the authority for the archivist is from the president. Now, if the president in this instance, and we don't know, but the courts certainly didn't know, decided that any particular document would not be deemed by him classified, then you couldn't even raise this argument about classification. But these complex issues of constitutional law exist, so they, they prevent the establishment of probable cause, that is, uh, evidence that a crime is being committed uh, or has been committed. Emord explains that the judge should not have signed off on that warrant. So a judge issued an ex parte warrant, meaning without any notice to Trump and his counsel, on a predicate that either the documents at large somehow were unlawfully possessed at Mar-a-Lago or that specific documents within the realm of those sought by the archivist were classified and therefore were unlawfully held. But that determination cannot be made. That preliminary determination cannot be made. No probable cause can be found because there isn't proof in light of the powers of the president that illegality is present. Emor tells the Salem Radio Network that the Department of Justice, in his opinion, has overreached. So this was a huge overreach by Justice on many levels. First of all, there's a long-standing policy at Justice to not take an action such as this that might interfere with an election, and then Secondarily, there is, of course, the legal necessity of establishing a very solid foundation in the law for the determination that a crime has been committed. And both of those things create barriers to proceedings. So any pursuit of that by a Justice Department attorney is legally dubious in the extreme. Emord also says the public needs to know that the rule of law is being upheld. The public needs to know that any citizen, but particularly the former president of the United States, is who intends on running for president by all appearances, 
um, is not is not the subject of a biased attack. And this has, of course, all the earmarks of a biased attack. And we've seen bias pervade the Department of Justice and evidence of bias at justice is overwhelming. So the public needs to be assured that the rule of law is being upheld. Meanwhile, a federal appeals court on Tuesday signed off on a House Ways and Means Committee request to obtain former President Trump's tax returns from the IRS. The 3-0 ruling from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is a blow to Trump, who has argued for years in court against releasing his tax returns to any investigators. A trial-level judge he appointed while president previously rejected his arguments in that case. The case stems from a lawsuit filed in 2019 seeking a court order compelling the IRS, then under the Trump administration, to turn over the former president's tax returns. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden formally welcomed Finland and Sweden into the NATO alliance as he signed the instruments of ratification, formally backing the Nordic nations. The president says Finland and Sweden both independently chose to join NATO. It was and is a watershed moment, I believe, in the alliance and uh, for the greater security and stability, not only of Europe and the United States, but of the world. Biden says having Finland and Sweden on board is a watershed moment for the organization. Our alliance is closer than ever. It is more united than ever. And when Finland and Sweden bring the number of allies to 32, will be stronger than ever. The president says Finland and Sweden will make NATO stronger than ever. Seeking to join NATO, Finland and Sweden are making a sacred commitment that an attack against one is an attack against all. It's Article 5 of the Washington Treaty and the core, the very core of our alliance. The U.S. has become the 23rd ally to approve NATO membership for the two countries. Meantime... Explosions rocked a Russian airbase in Crimea and sent clouds of smoke over the landscape on Tuesday in what may mark an escalation of the war in Ukraine. According to reports, at least one person was killed and several others were wounded. Russia's defense ministry denied the airbase on the Black Sea had been shelled and said instead that munitions had blown up there. But Ukrainian social networks were abuzz with speculation that it was hit by Ukrainian-fired long-range missiles. President Joe Biden has signed the $280 billion bipartisan CHIPS Act bill. It's a measure meant to boost domestic high-tech manufacturing. The Biden administration looks to incentivize investments in the American semiconductor industry. The purpose of the CHIPS Act is to ease U.S. reliance on overseas supply chains for critical cutting-edge goods. The White House announced that Micron, a computer memory and data storage company, has announced a multi-billion dollar plan to boost domestic manufacturing of memory chips. President Biden says high-tech companies are realizing they need to invest in the U.S. again. These companies see what I see. 
Micron CEO Sanjay Mahortra joined CNBC and said the CHIPS Act was really about national security. CHIPS and science legislation that President Biden is going to be signing in less than an hour here is really leveling the playing field. Over the last couple of decades, foreign countries, particularly in Asia, have invested hundreds of billions of dollars in providing incentives to bring semiconductor manufacturing to their shores. And this is what has resulted in 37% manufacturing of semiconductors at the turn of the century to now being only 12% of total semiconductor manufacturing here in the U.S. This is what we have to reverse. We have to diversify global supply chains. We have to build a resilient supply chain here in the U.S. and have domestic production. This is important for national security in critical military and other critical infrastructure, you want those chips produced here. Qualcomm and Global Foundries have also announced multi-billion dollar expansions of an upstate New York chip plant. A grand jury in Mississippi has declined to indict the white woman who accused 14-year-old Emmett Till of making advances toward her nearly 70 years ago. Those allegations led to the black teen's brutal death. The LaFleur County Grand Jury last week heard hours of testimony from investigators and witnesses, but said there was insufficient evidence to indict Carolyn Bryant Dunham on charges of kidnapping and manslaughter, according to a statement from District Attorney Dwayne Richardson. CNBC's Shepard Smith explains the latest developments in the case. Today, a grand jury in Mississippi declined to indict the white woman whose accusation led to the lynching of Emmett Till. Nearly 70 years ago, Carolyn Bryant Donham accused then 14-year-old Emmett Till of making improper advances towards her. Then Donham's husband and brother-in-law kidnapped Till, killed him, and dumped his body in a river. The Lafleur County Sheriff arrested the two white men and charged them with murder. Then after a few hours of deliberation, an all-white jury infamously found both men not guilty. At the time, there was also a warrant out for Donham's arrest, though we didn't know it until later. And we now know police never took her into custody. Two months ago, a team of researchers found the unserved warrant in a Mississippi County courthouse. Emmett Till's family demanded that the state's justice system hold Donham accountable. But after more than seven hours of testimony, a grand jury determined there wasn't enough evidence to indict. Today, the last living witness of Till's abduction, his cousin called the decision unfortunate, but predictable. Tuesday saw another round of primaries in four states, Connecticut, Minnesota, Vermont, and Wisconsin. And the retirement of Vermont Democrat Patrick Leahy, the Senate's longest active-serving member, is opening up the seat for the first time in almost half a century. In Vermont, Representative Peter Welch gave up his House seat to run for the Democratic Senate primary. He's vying to fill the seat of retiring Democratic Senator Pat Leahy. In Minnesota, progressive Congresswoman Ilhan Omar is facing a centrist challenger. She's running against former Minneapolis City Council member Don Samuels, who has made fighting crime a cornerstone of his campaign. 
Minnesota voters are also heading to the polls for a special election in the first congressional district after Republican Congressman Jim Hagedorn died of cancer in February. Former State Representative Brad Finstad is going up against Jeff Ettinger, who is the former CEO of Hormel Foods. As the polls closed and results started to come in in Vermont, State Senate President Pro Tem Becca Belint has won the Democrat primary for the state's lone House seat. In Wisconsin, Democrat Mandela Barnes won and will face incumbent GOP Senator Ron Johnson in November. In Minnesota, the biggest upset of the night was Democrat Representative Ilan Omar, who won by a razor-thin margin of under 3,000 against a centrist pro-police challenger. In Connecticut, Republican Dominic Rapini won the primary contest there to be Secretary of State. He's a former leader of fight voter fraud. Americans may finally be catching a break from surging prices, even as inflation is expected to remain high for months. Daybreak Insider correspondent Norman Hall is looking at this report. The government's inflation report for July is expected to show that prices jumped 8.7% from a year earlier. That's still a sizzling pace, but a slowdown from the 9.1% year-over-year figure in June, which was the highest in four decades. The forecast by economists, if it proves correct, would raise hopes that inflation might have peaked and that the run of painfully higher prices is beginning to ease slightly. Economists have forecast that Wednesday's inflation report will show that consumer prices rose 0.2% from June to July. If overall inflation did ease in July, it will largely reflect a 16% plunge in prices at the gas pump. Norman Hall, Washington. Serena Williams says she is ready to step away from tennis. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has more on the history-making announcement. Williams is playing this week in Toronto at a hardcore tournament, and hence the upcoming U.S. Open may be her last tournament. I don't know. I guess there's just a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) What is that like? I don't know. I'm getting closer to the light. Serena Williams is approaching her 41st birthday and has won more Grand Slam singles titles in the professional era than any other woman or man. What does giving up tennis mean to her? Freedom. Yeah. I love playing, though. It's, it's like, it's amazing. But, you know, it's like, I can't do this forever. Serena Williams says she will relish these next few weeks. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally, tell the stargazer in your family that the Perseid meteor shower returns August 11th through the 13th. The meteor shower comes every year between July and August, offering a chance to enjoy the last weeks of the sweltering season outside, looking up at the night sky to see if you can catch a shooting star. According to NASA, the Perseids are most active from July 17 to August 24. The peak this year when most meteors will shoot across the sky is expected to be August 11 through 13. Depending on where you are in the Northern Hemisphere, you could spot up to 40 meteors per hour during the peak. Dr. Matthew Whitehouse of the South Carolina State Museum explains the basics of a meteor shower. 
any meteor shower is caused by the Earth uh, going into the debris, debris trail of a comet. Uh, so when that happens, uh, we tend to get an increased number of meteors. You might often think of those as shooting stars uh, coming into our atmosphere and burning up. So it's typical on any night to see a few random meteors an hour. But during the various meteor showers that happen throughout the year, uh, as we go through those uh, debris fields, we're actually going to see more like, in some cases, is one to two meteors a minute. Uh, so that's really what causes any meteor shower, those debris trails from comets. White House says that this year's Perseid meteor shower may be obstructed by a full moon. This year we have a really kind of funky problem. Uh, we have a full moon the night of the peak. And because of that, that's actually going to reduce the number of uh, meteors that we can see per hour. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't want to put a number on it because it really depends on where you are, what your conditions are like, what the light pollution level is like at your viewing location, um, what the sky is like. This is summer in the southeast. It could be kind of murky that night or completely cloudy. But because we have the moon in the way, that's actually going to reduce the number of meteors we can see. So this is not the best Perseid year. Still, if you want to see if you can catch the astronomical show yourself, White House gives some times on how to do it. So it's August 11th and 12th. So the night of the 11th through the 12th is the peak. Um, and the best time to go out is in the early morning, so midnight or after. Um, and that's really true for any meteor shower is that early morning time tends to be the best. And then uh, you want to look to the north. You need a clear northern horizon. You don't need any special equipment, but you do need that clear view to the north for the Perseids. The Perseid meteors are pieces of the comet Swift-Tuttle. When Earth passes the comet's tail each summer, debris from Swift-Tuttle creates the shooting stars we see in the sky. According to NASA, there is no chance our planet will soon run into the comet Swift-Tuttle. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.